before the world began. We preached verse 3 this morning, but hath in due times manifested His Word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. We dealt with those three verses this morning, but now Paul has made his little greeting, and now he is addressing this letter. Verse 4, To Titus, my own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I have appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right or unruly. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry. i got some friends that need that one. Not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Now the purpose for Paul writing this letter to the young preacher Titus was to encourage him, to invest in him, and to be a blessing to him. That's what Paul is doing. If you look at Titus chapter 2, verse 15, Paul will tell Titus, These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Titus was a young man. Titus was beginning his ministry. And he is, we'll say more in a moment, but he is in a place called Crete uh, over these churches. And Paul said, you need to deal uh, with these issues, take care of these issues, but don't let any man despise you. And as he told Timothy, uh, let no man despise thy youth. And so I want to thank God for all the preachers and the men He's put in my life that's been a blessing to me throughout my ministry and are continued blessing to me. I'll say this tonight. If a pastor or a preacher has invested in me, whether they realize it or not and whether you realize it or not, they have invested in this church. Uh, one of the reasons I love Brother Davy Shelton so much, he's put so much in me, and as a result, he's put a lot in this church. I thank God for that. Uh, Brother Eddie Davis, another man uh, of that caliber, has invested a lot in me, and thus investing in the church. That's the way it ought to be, pouring our lives into one another, pouring our lives and being a blessing to another. That's what Paul is doing here. You know, that's what... That's what uh, in Acts chapter number 9, Ananias, he done for Saul. When, when Paul got saved, he poured his life into Ananias. Now what's Paul doing? He's pouring his life into Titus, who is going to be a blessing to these other churches. Thank God for faithful men that have poured their lives. They weren't selfish men. Uh, they weren't worried about it. I, I texted a preacher this morning and, and told him how much I appreciate him. And just because that one preacher's influence in my life and using me in meetings, I booked 17 different churches in the last 10 years just because that man has introduced me. You know what? That man is not pushing himself. He's not pushing on ego. But there's young preachers preaching tonight in different churches all across the country that that man has poured his life into and now the body of Christ as a whole has been helped and encouraged. We ought not live a a selfish life. Amen? Paul is not doing that in this text. He is He is not selfish, but he is selfless in this text. What I'm interested in tonight is this man named Titus. I want to preach on this thought tonight. Titus, a godly young man. You know, it is possible for young people to live for God. It's possible for middle-aged people to live for God. 
It's possible for old people uh, to live for God. It's possible for anybody to live for God that wants to live for God. You know why a lot of people won't live for God? Because they don't want to. The reason people don't pray is because they don't want to. The reason people don't read the Bible is because they don't want to. And I want to look at three things about Titus tonight in these verses that we have read. And I want to preach to our young people, but I want to preach to our church as a whole and let you see the value and the importance of serving God. Three things tonight and we'll go eat a taco. First of all, there is the profile of the servant. Look at verse number 4. To Titus, my own son, after the common faith. We learn some things by studying this verse and studying some other verses in the life of this young man, this young preacher Titus. What do we know about him? Quickly, first of all, he was saved. Verse number 4, to Titus, my own son, after the common faith. We learn according to Galatians chapter number 2, verses 1 through 3. We'll look at that in a moment. But Titus was a Gentile. Titus was a Greek. He was outside the commonwealth of Israel. But notice what Paul said in this text. To Titus, my own son, watch this now, after the common faith. What is that little phrase, the common faith means? It means it's a faith that it doesn't matter your background, your nationality. It's one way for everybody. Amen. I'm glad there's not a plan of salvation for the Jew and a plan of salvation for the Gentile, uh, but it's all by grace through faith. Amen. Repentance toward God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad God didn't make you jump through 27 hoops to get saved? Aren't you glad you didn't have to get baptized to get saved? Aren't you glad you didn't have to join the church to get saved? A lot of people think that's what you got to do to get saved. Oh, but no, salvation is simply trusting, not in your own merits, not in your own abilities, but in the Lord Jesus Christ. The songwriter said, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. He, he was a saved man. Are you saved tonight? Young people need to be saved. Old people need to be saved. Middle-aged people need to get saved. The elderly need to get saved. You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed at the people that don't get saved after they turn 50 years old. It's very rare to see somebody get saved after that age. That's why it's so important, young people, to keep a heart tender towards God. And it's so important, mom and dad, to keep your children in church under the preaching of the Word of God while that heart is still soft, while it's still tender to the Word of God, while it's still tender to the thing. I know you don't think they're getting anything, but I promise you they're getting, they're getting more than what you think. I got on to one of my children the other day and exp- I asked, I said, do you know what you did? Do you know what, what, and I named, uh, just being disobedient, disrespectful. I said, you know what that is? What that is? I, was trying, I was looking for the word disrespectful. I said, you know what that is? He said, yeah, it's sin. I said, praise God, he's listening to something. That's what it is. It's sin. So I said, well, di- and so you was looking for the word disobedient. Hit, that word was a better word. There, amen, that's right. And you know where they learn that? They don't learn that on Disney+. Plus. They don't learn that on Netflix. They don't learn that on YouTube TV. They learn that in Sunday school. They learn that in preaching. Amen. They learn that in the house of God. Amen. So so he was saved. Young people, I hope you're saved. 
Everybody needs to be saved. Young people need to be saved. I'm not a preacher that runs kids through a prayer and ducks them in a baptistry to notch up, gun, notch up numbers for the sword of the Lord to be impressed. I, I could care less about that. I'm not being smart, but i got more things to do in my time than that. But I am saying this. I'm going to preach the gospel, and I'm going to expose our children to good preaching and good Bible teaching. And our Sunday school teachers, they're going to present the gospel on their age level. But it's all the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They need to be saved. And if you're not saved, you need to be saved. So, what's the first thing we learn about Titus? He's a saved man. Number two, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I've got convicted lately about not letting y'all use your Bible in church. I fuss people not bringing their Bible, then I don't let them use their Bible. All right? 2 Corinthians chapter number 7 tonight. I want us to. Think, look, look at this is where another place where Titus is referenced in our Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter number 7, verse number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 7 and verse number 5. The Bible said, For when we, speaking of Paul, were come to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of, help me, Titus. He's a saved man. He's a spirit-filled man. You know what the Holy Spirit is called? What did the Lord call him in John 14 and 15? He is called the Comforter. So when, when Paul was in Macedonia, and he was having struggles, fightings without and fears within, you know where he found encouragement? When that young man Titus showed up. Titus was a comfort. Titus was a blessing to the Apostle Paul. Then notice down in verse number, let's see here, uh, verse number, let's see, I know it's in here, I read it earlier today. Verse number 13. Therefore, we were comforted in your comfort, yea, and exceedingly the more joyed for the joy of Titus. So Titus is a comforter, and Titus has joy. The Holy Spirit is called the Comforter, and one of the fruit of the spirits is joy. Titus is a spirit-filled person. Can I ask you a question? Do you bring comfort and joy to somebody else's life when you show up? That's a sign of a spirit-filled person. I tell you, it's a, not a good testimony when, when you walk into a room and somebody says, Oh, Lord. That's not a good testimony. Amen. It's not a good testimony when you don't when you don't bring comfort and joy and peace to a room. That means you're not being spirit filled. Let's just, let's just all be honest. There are some people at church that I like to avoid. Everybody's wondering who it is here. I ain't gonna tell you, Travis. Um, no, just kidding. No, no. Honestly, here it's really not that not that bad. Now I will say this, and I've said this for eleven years, uh, pastoring. Uh, it, be careful what you tell me before church. Please do. Don't come up and dump 27 posts on Facebook on me. I don't care. It, it can wait. And I'm not being rude. I got my mind on preaching. I got my mind on playing the piano for the choir. I got my mind on what we're going to sing in the choir. I got my mind trying to figure out who needs to sing, who needs to testify. I, I don't care what somebody's air conditioner man done in four states away that we don't even know. I'm not praying for him. I know that sounds mean, but unless you've had the burden of preaching on your mind 
and trying to put a text together and trying to come up with the words. Sometimes I felt I saw this little video there showed Grace. This little boy is trying to tell a story and he's just getting his, all all of his words wrapped around. I said, "That's how I feel preaching half the time. He just can't get he can't get the bus rolling." But you need to be careful about that. And so, you know, don't be... Listen to me now. Y'all listen to me? Y'all listen to preacher? Don't get offended if I say, Hey, 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 let's wait till after church with that. Because if I sense it might be going in a direction that I don't want to hear about, I may tell you that. Now, after church, if you want to tell me, I'll try to listen. I'm honest. I ain't going to say I'll listen every word. I'll try to listen to you. Come on now. You things that you ain't really, I mean, if it's something immediate with your family, that's different, okay? Somebody died in a car wreck, something like that. But, I mean, if it's something that don't matter or something you saw on the news, please don't tell me that. That went over 11 years ago, about as good as it did tonight, Brother Rob, amen? But it's still right. Because, you know why Bobby Robertson always showed up late to meetings? For that reason. Miss Janice is nodding her head. First revival, I ain't going to get through this tonight. First revival I had here at Safe Harbor. Brother Rick already had Brother Bobby Robertson book. How many of y'all remember Brother Bobby Robertson, pastor of Gospel Light in Walkertown? Great man of God. And he, he was in his 80s when he preached here for me. And so after Brother Rick went to heaven, Brother Bobby, I don't know how he got my number or I may have got his. Miss Lydia may have got it for me, but I called Brother Bobby because I knew it was on the schedule. And I said, Brother Bobby, I'm the new pastor at Safe Harbor. This is probably in February. The meeting's in April. He said, Josh, I'll still be your friend if you cancel me. I said, no, sir. No, sir. I, I want you to come. The church loves you. I, I revere you in the Lord. It would be an honor to have you in our pulpit. And so uh, I said, Preacher, you'll preach the first revival of my pastorate. And he said, well, I'm looking forward to being there. Monday night at 7 o'clock. Man, I'm excited. We had a good crowd that night. It's 7 o'clock. No Brother Robertson. I'm getting a little nervous. 7.05, no Brother Robertson. Terry, Brother Terry Cruz sitting down here, and I'm thinking, well, I know he's got a Bible. He can preach. And so maybe Brother Bobby's gotten a car wreck. Maybe his car broke down. I didn't know. And about 7.10, I see Don Clawson open the door back there, and here comes Brother Bobby. Just be bopping in, just like that. And, and he come in, and, and it's like 17, and preach done great. Done the same thing Tuesday. On Tuesday night, I said, hey, let's go to Cracker Barrel for a service. He said, that'd be great. So he said, let's eat at 6. Well, service starts at 7. I'm, I'm really getting off, but I don't know why. I hadn't thought of this in forever. And we're sitting there, we're eating, and it's me and Grace and uh, Terry Crews sitting there eating with us and somebody else. And we're sitting there, and Brother Bobby just talking. It's a great. And I'm looking at my watch. It's 6.45. It's 6.50. And I, I said, Dr. Robertson, you stay here as long as you want to. i got to go unlock the church because we're supposed to start church here in five minutes. You know why he done that? Because he didn't want people to get on his mind and get his mind and heart off the sermon God put forward in his heart. Hey Amen. Don't be somebody that brings disturbance and chaos. Be like Titus. He brought comfort and joy to the Apostle Paul. I'm just going to preach this one point tonight. I bring, hey, if you're a spirit-filled Christian, you know, um, you never know what's in a tea bag till you put it in hot water. You know what? Uh, what? What's in you will come out when you get squeezed. When you get put in a place of pressure, when you get put in a place where the stress and the pressure gets put, whatever's in you is going to come out. And if you've got the fruit of the Spirit, you know what's going to come out? Love, joy, 
peace, long-suffering, gentle, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. But if you ain't filled with the Spirit, all that other stuff's going to come out. So, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Heard a preacher telling a story this week. I don't know if it's true. He told it like it was the truth. And so I'm going to take his word for it. These people are not mad. They're just going to get the tacos ready, all right? I'm kidding the half of them. But anyway... Um, this preacher told this story that they went to play golf with some other pastors. Talking about what comes out. What comes out. I'm talking about the importance of being spirit-filled. That's my whole point. And he said, whatever's in you is going to come out. He said, we were playing golf. And he said, I hadn't played golf in a long time. And I enjoy playing. I don't get to play that much. I think I played twice this year, maybe. That's pitiful, ain't it? And uh, but when you're that good, you only got to play twice a year. But that's what I keep telling myself. And so... This is one of the reasons why when I play golf, I stay behind the, the guy teeing off. Because the people standing right here, he's shooting this way. He comes back to swing when he hits. The ball don't go that way. It goes that way and hits a preacher in the chest. The preacher hit, oh! Hits him in the chest and he starts cussing. Cussing the, the, the preacher out. And, and this preacher said, and he was real good. He knew a lot of words that I didn't know. You know why that preacher did that? Because that was in him. What comes out of you when you get squeezed? Paul said, when Titus showed up, I was in a difficult spot. And when Titus walked in the door, I had comfort and I had joy. I don't know about you. This is ain't for young people. That's the kind of believer I want to be. When I when I show up, I when I show up at a meeting, when I show up here, I hope that I bring comfort and joy. That's what Titus did. He's a saved man. He's a spirit filled man. Let's finish up this point. Number three. Not only is he saved, not only is he spirit filled. Go to Galatians chapter two. Galatians two. We're looking at Titus tonight. He's a saved man. We're talking about the profile of the servant. He's saved, he's spirit filled. But then he was settled in his doctrine. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 1. Paul writing, Then fourteen years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and took who? Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were self-reputation, lest by any means I should run in vain, or had run in vain. Look at verse 3. But neither Titus who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privilege to despite our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, they might bring us, uh, uh, bring us into bondage. So what's going on here? Here's what's going on. Paul and Barnabas and Titus go up to Jerusalem. And, and, and they get there, and the Judaizers, remember those Judaizers? They were the ones that, at, that said, yes, you need Jesus, but you need the law too. You've got to have good words. You've got to keep the law as well if you're going to be saved. Now, remember what we said about Titus? He's a Gentile. He's part of the uncircumcised. You know what they, you know what they told Titus? Yeah, if you really got saved, you're really saved, you get circumcised and be like the rest of us and keep the law. But you know what Titus did? He was not circumcised. He said, no, that's not right. And neither was he compelled. You know why he could say that, Brother David? Because he was settled on his doctrine. 
I'm going to tell you the kind of people we need in our church. We need saved people. We need spirit-filled people. But we need people that are settled on doctrine. They know what the Bible says. They, don't, they may not have every reference, but they know what doctrine is, and they know what's right, and they know what's wrong, and they have some discernment. That's what we need in our churches. You know how that comes? From reading the Bible. Amen. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this. I tell you, there's some days where, Brother Matthew, I'll lay down, I'll lay down on my pillow at night and realize, man, I didn't get to my Bible today. And I'm a pastor. I do the work of an evangelist. But I forgot to read my Bible. So we all do it. But we ought to try to avoid that. We ought to try to spend time in the Word of God every day. You know why it's important to read the Word of God and to study the Word of God? Because when some two-by-four preacher comes by, starts preaching something that ain't right, you'll recognize false doctrine. You'll recognize... That's why I preached on the subject of preaching this morning. I, and I know that was a sermon that you think would be better for Timothy Conference, and that may I may do that in the future. But you know why I've done that? I want you to know what preaching's supposed to be. I want these young people to know what preaching's supposed to sound like. I want y'all to know what a preacher's supposed to look like. He don't run around in shorts and flip-flops and, and Bermudas and, and looking like he's a surfer. He ought to carry himself like a preacher and look like a preacher. That, that's when he's in the pulpit, now the pulpit. I don't wear a, a suit and tie every day of my life. Amen. But I, I look like a Christian every day of my life. Amen. They need to know that and you need to know that. You need to know why we believe the King James Bible is the Word of God. That's coming under attack more now than it ever has. But by, may I remind you, it's always been under attack. God, the devil uh, challenged God's Word in the Garden of Eden, Eden in Genesis chapter 3. You're three pages in the Bible. He said, well, yea, hath God said, casting doubt on the Word of God. You better know what it says. I ain't saying you've got to read ten chapters a day. If some of y'all get discouraged, and, I, and I'm not being critical, some of you get discouraged because you've missed some, some days on your Bible and you've got behind. Let's just be honest, that happens. Don't beat yourself up on that. Don't say, well, I've got to finish by December. You just read. Just read. Stay with it. Stay with it. There's nowhere in the, the, the Bible reading schedule to read your Bible through in a year is a wonderful thing. But there's nowhere in that Bible that says you have to read the Bible through in a year. But it does say to study to show thyself approved unto God. And it does say thy word if I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. And it does say thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And it does say his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Here it does put an emphasis on reading the word of God. You know how Titus knew that he didn't need to add anything to his salvation? Because he had been studying the Word of God. I understand they just had the Old Testament writings. I understand that. But the Apostle Paul is writing New Testament doctrine. The Apostle Paul was given the mystery. I know this is getting deep. But the Apostle Paul was given the, the mystery of the church and the ministry to the Gentiles. And Titus said, that's the Word of God. That's truth. I don't need to add anything to my salvation. I want to remind you tonight, Jesus is enough. Can I get an amen out of that? God's grace is enough. Now, after you get saved... You ought to live by the law of the Lord. You ought to walk in His Word and allow His Word to walk in you. But salvation is faith and repentance. Repentance toward God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what we need at Safe Harbor Baptist Church? We need some young people. But we need some adults as well that are saved, that are spirit-filled, that are settled on doctrine. But here, here's the fourth thing. Here's the fourth thing. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 and I'm done. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we'll finish up. I hope this has made sense tonight. i got a lot more material to give, but we'll just come back Thursday and give it, all right? Y'all good? 
Hope this is making sense. If not, it's too late now. All right. Second Corinthians chapter number eight. We're, we're looking at the profile of a servant. We're looking at Titus tonight. He was saved. He was spirit filled. He was settled on doctrine, but he was sincere, meaning he was trustworthy. Look at Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse number six. Paul says, "Insomuch that we desired, help me, Titus. That was a little weak. Somebody else, help me now. Insomuch that we desired, Titus, that as he had begun." So he would also finish in you the same grace also. What is that talking about? Alright, context. He's talking about grace giving. He's talking about faith promise giving. He's, he's encouraging the church at Corinth. For the call has preached this for, for years for us on Mission Sundays. He is encur- encouraging the church at Corinth by the testimony of the church of Macedonia how in their great trial of affliction gave out of their, out of their poverty... They gave for the work of the Lord. He's encouraging the church at Corinth to do the same and give an offering not for Paul's benefit, not so Paul can pat his pocket, but for the work of the ministry. Now, watch what Paul does in verse 6. Insomuch that we desired, we chose, we selected Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace. What is that grace? That is the grace given. Verse 1, Moreover, brethren, we do to you to wit the grace of God bestowed on the church of Macedonia, how in the great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded the riches of the liberality. For their, their power, uh, I bear record, gave them beyond their power, they are willing themselves. Praying with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. Here's what Paul did. Paul said, I'm going to send Titus to Corinth to collect that offering. This is not, this is not a deacon in the church. This is not a a high-ranking man in the church, Paul said, I'm going to sing this young preacher, this young man, to Corinth to collect this substantial size offering. Turn to 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12. So I said, can you prove that preacher? I sure can. 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 18. Here's what Paul said. Or verse 17, excuse me. Did I make a gain of you by any of them who I sent unto you? So he sent Titus. I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Watch what he says. Did Titus make gain of you? Walk we not in the same spirit? Walk we not in the same steps? He said, Church, I didn't make any money off of you. Titus did not make any gain off of you. So you know what we see about Titus? He is a young man that Paul could trust with a substantial amount of money to get it from coal rent back to where it needed to go. Are you trustworthy? Somebody give you twenty dollars to go buy something and it costs fifteen, do you give them their change? Are you trustworthy? You know, sadly, most businesses don't want to hire Christians for the most part. Nowadays they'll hire anybody. But for the most part you know they don't want to. Why? Because Christians have a, a reputation of being lazy, not being on time. I'm not saying all. I'm just saying some of, there's a few bad apples give the rest a bad name. You're not trustworthy. I'm going to tell you how trustworthy Titus was. He's a young man. Daxton, come up here and finish preaching tonight. Finish the sermon for me. Now, we laugh at that now. But that's what Paul's doing to Titus. He said, Titus, I need you to go take care of this for me. 
Oh, y'all want to help? We'll look at more of this. Go, to, go back to Titus chapter 1 and I'm done. Y'all want to see how trustworthy this young man Titus was? Titus chapter 1, verse number 5. This is where I was going to get tonight, but we don't have time. For this cause... Do y'all like turning in your Bibles and seeing this? I know I do. Verse 5. For this cause I left thee. Who's thee? Titus in Crete. That thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I have appointed thee. You know what he's saying? It'd, it'd be like this. It'd be like, alright, Daxton, Jared, Eric and Tony have got a major problem. And their problem, their issue they're having is called a problem in the church. I need y'all to go deal with it and settle it. Now we like, no, we ain't going to send no young people to handle that. Paul sent Titus to. So we need some young people that are trustworthy. Now I'm not going to ha have y'all handle church business, but you ought to want to live a life that is honorable to God. Girls, they're going to need to be Sunday school teachers one day. Boys, we're going to need Sunday school teachers. Deacons one day, men in the church. You better make up your mind now you want to serve God. Oh, watch what else he had Titus do. And ordain elders in every city. Daxon, you get to pick the next pastor here. How would y'all like that? It'd probably be Matt Olson, the first baseman for the Braves. But that's how much confidence Paul had in Titus. He was that trustworthy. But you know what's sad? We got adults that are not that trustworthy. We've got adults, and I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm talking about across the board in church, that are not trustworthy enough to work out matters between themselves. I know churches right now that can't get together on selecting a pastor, selecting deacons. Why? They've not set the things in order. And we'll say more about that Thursday night. But I'll tell you what we need. We need, some, we need some, not just some young people, we need some adults like Titus. Saved. Spirit-filled. What comes out of you when you get squeezed? I just hear right now, I just don't treat Oh, that sounds like anger to me. Sounds like wrath. Sounds like malice. I know we all we all have our we all have our moments. Amen. But y'all not have that many moments. When people get around you. Do they walk on nails or walk on walk on eggshells around you because they're afraid what saying something you just spouting off being hateful? You know nobody likes that. Are you hearing me? I'm talking to husbands and wives. I'm talking to young people. I'm talking to everybody tonight. Nobody likes that. I would I'd hate to know that as a parent I had such an angry spirit that that I that my kids were afraid of me. Now I want my kids to respect me. But I don't want them to be afraid of me. There's a difference. They ought to respect my authority as a parent to know if you do that, there's going to be consequences. But I don't want them to be scared of me. We call that an abusive parent. Amen. That goes the same way in marriages. Always spouting off. Now, come on. The tacos ain't ready yet. Always spouting off at one another. That ain't spiritual. That goes in the church, brothers and sisters in Christ. Spouting off. I'm not talking about jesting like we do, picking at one another. We have a good spirit here. We have a good camaraderie. But I've been some church, Brother Matthew, you know what I'm talking about. You've been in this thing long enough where it's not joking. It's like for real. 
It's like these people sit on this side and these people sit on this side and they ain't about to cross the aisle to shake hands. That's so immature. And I really doubt the salvation of both sides. Because I know if that was made, the Holy Spirit of God will wear me out till I got it right. If I even, if I, we talk about in Sunday school, if I couldn't get it right with them, I'd at least get it right with the Lord so I could have fellowship with God. He was saved. He was spirit-filled. He was settled. Do you know what the Bible says? And he, he was sincere. He was trustworthy. He is trustworthy. We ought to be trustworthy. And we always think about that as finances. We always think, but it's, it goes beyond finances. You ought to be trustworthy in your, in your business dealings. You ought to be trustworthy with your children, other people's children. Hey, we got a lot of children around here. And I'm thankful for them. And sometimes I'll see, I'll see something that you might be running or whatever, and I'll say, hey, slow down. But I, I'm, not, I'm not the parent. I'm just the pastor. And the only reason I do that is if the parent's not there or they don't see what's going on. But then I'll say to the parent, hey, I just want to let you know I saw this. It's not my job to parent anybody. Else. That's the parent's job to parent them. You need to keep your eye on them. Amen? I need to try to keep my eye on mine, all right? But what I'm saying tonight, are you trustworthy? Are you trustworthy enough? Are you sincere, honest, of good report? We're going to look more of that in the book of Titus Thursday night as a qualification of a preacher. But that's qualification for all of us tonight. I think the Lord really honed in that second point, though. What happens when you get squeezed? What comes out? Let's stand. We're going to have a word of prayer. Brother Max can come to the piano. Maybe the Lord spoke to your heart tonight about something. Titus was a godly young man. He loved God, served God. He's going to play through one verse. Nobody comes. That's fine.